0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm
1: Randy. And Zach, I feel like it's been a while since we've been here at the mics.
0: I know it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, yeah. We've we've got, had a rough couple yeah, weeks. Uh,
1: you got sick for a little bit. Then you interviewed Richard Mensa. Yes, and uh, that was that was neat. Today is another interview, but it's a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Um, So we're actually going to be talking to an author named Mary DeMuth. Um, She has written lots and lots and lots of books. Um, Actually, in the interview, I think she said three a year, which is crazy. That's incredible. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're going to jump over there. We're going to talk to her uh, for a bit, and then uh, we'll come back here and we'll me, – me and you will kind of talk through things and okay. see what we think about that.
1: Now, she lives in Texas, so you talk to her by Zoom.
0: Yes. So this is our first one, uh, first Zoom call. And so – Audio will be a little bit different uh, because it's going to be on a different mic than this one. So heads up, it should actually be a little quieter than this, I think. So okay. you might have to turn okay. up your sound just a little bit. Um, I apologize if there's any any craziness going on there. But uh, yeah, we're going to jump over there and see what, what uh, Mary's got to say to us. Hey, Mary, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. How are you? Not, not doing too bad. Um, for all of our listeners uh, at home, this is Mary DeMuth. And uh, we're super super excited to have her with us. Um, this is actually, I think, our Salty Saints premiere Zoom interview. So you're cool. you're it. You're the first. Like I'm the guinea we, pig. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so you know, I guess you can feel special about that, or you know, maybe that's not a great thing. But um, so you have a new book coming out. Would you like to talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure. It's called the most misunderstood women of the Bible, what their stories teach us about thriving. And, um, it is kind of an interesting hybrid of a book. So I'm both a nonfiction and fiction author, and so I get to wear both hats in this book. So I take 10 misunderstood women from the Bible, and I, as closely as I can to the biblical story, so like when there's dialogue, I use the biblical dialogue and everything, um, but I rewrite their stories based on knowledge, uh, research, and good theology, and um and help people to jump into the shoes of these women. And then I ask the question, then I go to nonfiction mode and I say, okay, so what did, when they were misunderstood in their context and in their lives, how did they respond to that? And how can that help us respond when we are misunderstood?
0: Yeah. Um, So I would liken maybe the style of what you're doing, at least from the, the fiction side of things, Um, almost to watching an episode of The Chosen. Yes. It's all Mm -hmm. theologically accurate. I mean, it's, there's not, you're not adding anything crazy or weird. You're just using the context you've been given and you're painting a really, really nice picture. Um, your, your fictional writing style is so fun to read. Like it's, uh, yeah, no, your imagery is really good. Um, it's almost poetic uh, the way you describe the scenes. And so I really enjoyed um, Eve, especially, I think just mm-hmm. all the garden imagery and kind of, it's it's a little more existential than some of them, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that one just really popped for me, but um, even Leah, like the way you, you kind of got into describing, um, you know, what it means when it talks about uh, her having weak eyes, like that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you, you just really laid things out in a very easy to to digest way. And I like that. Um, I, I guess uh, something I picked up on, though, is the book is written about women. It's written about the women of the Bible, but it seems like it's kind of written for everyone. Is that safe to say? So safe to say,
2: and thank you for saying that because I've always, um my audience is men and women. Uh This just happens to be about women in the Bible, but there's a lot to learn about just simple things like basic exegesis, which is a plain reading of the text. One of the things I found when I was researching these women is if I would just read the text over and over and over again and ask great questions about it and and be able to just say what is actually happening on the page. And that's of benefit, whether you're a male or a female. So oh, yeah. it's good. It's good practice to ask those kinds of biblical questions when you're looking at a narrative in the Bible.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, before we get too deep on, on kind of the book itself, um, would you mind kind of just giving us some background on like how you originally came to Christ? Um, did you, were you raised in a Christian family? Like, give us just a little bit of background there. Yeah, I was definitely
2: not raised in a Christian family and the only way I ever heard um uh references to God was in a swear word. Um I was I was neglected and abused and sexually abused as well in my con- in my um as a kindergartner uh through uh, not through my family but through neighborhood boys. Um I had several fathers by the time I was ten years old, and my biological father died when I was ten. And um, that, all of that, plus drug abuse in the home, and transitory, and just un- really unsafe places, crim- crime-wise, um, led to a lot of insecurity and fear. And by the time I was in the seventh grade, um, and it was getting real close to my mom's next divorce, which would have meant another father was going to leave. I just fell apart. And I would, I would look at my feet and I would ask the question, what am I doing on this square foot of earth? Why am I here except to be abused or abandoned? And I started writing poetry about taking my life. I mean, it was just definitely very, very desperate. Um, And then the good news is, is that in the ninth grade, I was invited to Young Life by a friend of mine, and I started to begin to hear about Jesus. And every time I heard about him, my heart would just like leap out of my chest. Like This was what I had been looking for. And the next year, my sophomore year, when I was 15 years old, I went to a weekend camp where I heard the whole gospel And I surrendered my life to Jesus at that point. And that thus began a very long healing journey from that point on. But that's when I met Christ. I was 15, but I was definitely was unchurched and knew nothing about him. And so it was a really exciting experience to learn about him and then just keep learning about him. And I'm still learning about him.
0: See, I always like, I like I was raised in a Christian home. um, And so like, I, I hate that. I don't know a time when there was like no presence of Jesus in my life. And so like, there's this really kind of shady gray area mm-hmm. where I, I try and look back and go, when, when did I actually like start to believe this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've kind of had some up and downs. on like, was I saved before I finally <laughs> like came around? Was I not, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, it is, as hard as you had it growing up, um, I do think there is a real blessing in being able to like really quantify what Christ has done in your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Um, did you start writing before you knew Jesus or did that kind of come later?
2: Yeah, I'd always been writing. In fact, in the second grade, I had a teacher who um, let my mom know that I was a great writer. And that was just really, that stayed inside of me for a really long time. That just is an encouragement to anyone out there who is a teacher. What you say matters, and kids remember yeah. it. <laughs> um, but I, I after I became a Christian, I went to college. I did become an English major, and um, I didn't start writing for publication till later. So when I gave birth to my first child in the nineties, I felt this like compelling need to, to birth a book. And so I spent about eight years just learning the craft and becoming good at it. And then in the two thousands, I began publishing, um, starting 2004 and I've been writing three
0: books a year since that point.
2: (laughs) So 44 books now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, I, uh, I knew it was over 40. I, uh, I kind of went back through and just, uh, There were definitely some some titles I'm familiar with in there too, so that was that was cool to see. Um, When it came to writing this book in particular, um, you know, like you said, there there was a, a fictional element to all of these stories. So, was there any particular woman in this book that just really stuck out to you, or that maybe was more difficult to get into that headspace to kind of see where she was coming from?
2: Yeah. Um, I would think that in terms of relating well, it was the Bathsheba and Tamar narratives of just sexual exploitation. And and especially in the Bathsheba narrative of having that exact same experience of someone coming to my door and taking me away and doing what they did. And I had no say in the matter. And plus the person was bigger than me. Um, and she really didn't have a say in that matter either. In terms of the difficult ones, I think Leah was hard for me um, just because I'm not, it's hard for me to relate to having like uh, a husband with a bunch of wives. (laughs) Like that's different. Um, It's not something I typically relate to. Thank thankfully. (laughs) And, um, and, but on the other hand, in terms of like what our culture is going through in terms of image and look and whether you're a man or a woman, I think that part really resonated with me as I continued to explore her life because she was rejected for her weak eyes so to speak or she wasn't the one wanted even though she was the one who was supposed to be the first married um, right. it didn't even matter that tradition said no and and it, he didn't care so it's just right. so it's just funny how you know beauty actually really and how you look really does have a, it plays a role in our lives
0: something that I really loved about um, framing things this way is we have so often made the male in these stories, the hero of the stories Mm -hmm. when one, I don't think that's always the case at all. Um, I I think what you're doing here is kind of showing the sinful nature in everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, when, when you're going through these stories, uh, I like that you didn't approach them uh, with rose colored glasses that you lay it out there as is like Leah screwed up too, you know, mm-hmm. like even though she's definitely not being treated appropriately in the story, she doesn't always respond as she should either. And that was something I really picked up on and I really liked Um now to mention like Bathsheba, uh, I was so glad that you went that direction. Um, that was something I had never even thought about. My youth minister growing up um, was a great friend of mine. Uh, she, she was a woman and she told me maybe four or five years ago. Um, for, it was the first time it had ever sank in that Bathsheba didn't like do anything wrong in that story, but we've kind of lived in a culture where we tell that story like Bathsheba somehow like was this temptress to David and it's like no like he state sanctioned raped her like mm-hmm, I mean it's mm-hmm. it, and we don't we don't take it there and so I'm glad you did um that's I think very beneficial that we look at things in a historically accurate lens um, rather than like oh I've been raised on this my whole life you know
2: Right, and that's where I'm getting back to the plain reading of scripture. So the plain reading of scripture, no one ever blames her. Nathan does not blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, he never says you seductress, you seduced him while well, you're being right. all sexy on the roof. He didn't say any <laughs> right. of those things. And so if you just plainly read it, you know. And plus, in the story that Nathan recounts, there's this little lamb, and it's being you know taken, and um, she's the lamb. Yeah, she's the lamb. So there's really, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, f- I feel like we just need to just look at scripture without the lens of what we've been taught. I've even heard it said even from the pulpit recently at church, uh you know, David had his faults, he was an adulterer and I'm like, "Wait a minute. That's not adultery because adultery would be consensual between two consenting adults. That's not adultery." And I get tired of those kind of things. I also was asked to endorse a book where the person talked about her as the seductress and I was like, "I can't because I write about this issue so much, I, I can't endorse that book. Um, cause right. I just simply don't believe it. I've been to Israel. I've seen mikvahs. I know about ceremonial washing. I know that she was most likely washing because it was her, the end of her monthly cycle. And that is not a seductive type of washing. <laughs> so, <Right>. um, <laughs> I just can't go there. But also, even if I had an agenda, I couldn't go there because the text clearly puts the blame on David. So right. I I'm just doing what the Bible's saying.
0: It's just, it's just funny how all you're doing is exactly what the Bible's saying, and how for so many people it's so hard to come to that conclusion. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's very that. odd. Yeah, Um I guess it's not that odd looking yeah, at the world. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's um. Funny. So uh, another kind of thought I had, um, you know, in order to write these stories about these women, you. had to kind of put yourself in their shoes and you had to empathize with them as people has writing this book and kind of thinking about this book and their position, has it helped you to kind of take a step back and do the same thing with people in your life?
2: You know, that's a really great question and haven't been asked it yet, but I am excited to answer it. So, as a novelist, um, there was an experience once that I had where I had this kind of enemy in my life and I was just frustrated, but I couldn't write about it in nonfiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I caused that person to be an enemy in the book. Just, I, <laughs> I definitely, no one would know, but just for my own sake, I was going right. to work through it. And as I wrote the character, I fell in love with the character and it changed the way that I was able to relate and forgive and move on and all of that. And so, yes, in the same way, uh, in the book to kill a mockingbird, Atticus Finch says, you don't really know a person until you walk around in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And so to really, I think this exercise of me jumping into the shoes or the sandals of Leah or Hagar, any of these people, um, causes me, to just keep that empathetic posture. Sadly today, we have almost lost it because of the siren call of social media, where we love to vent our opinions without thinking about people and how it might affect them.
0: And if anything challenges that, that's the cancel stamp. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So there's You're no out. room to talk anything out to grow. <laughs> right. i I've, honestly, uh, it's kind of what you just said there. Like, uh, when you wrote out that character you fell in love with them, uh, that reminded me of, you know, Jesus saying, pray for your enemies, mm-hmm. that it's pretty hard to hate somebody you pray for all the time. Right. Like yeah. when you really, really invest time thinking about that person and, and what you love about that person,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it kind of shadows the bad. Um, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, Another question I had for you. So understand, I'm not trying to corner you here. Uh, That's not the intent of this question, um, because I know it is a controversial one. But there's a lot of denominations that see women in different lights, um, different roles for women within the church. My question is simply your opinion um, of what you see in Scripture what is the role of a woman in, a tr- in the church today?
2: Yeah, that's a. Oh, and a you're not going to offend me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm non denominational. I can do whatever I want <laughs> right, as long as it's right. biblical.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, that's where I have to go to an exercise that I have been doing over the past three or four years, which has been probably the best thing I've done in my discipleship journey. And that is to rapid read the Bible. And so what I'll mm. do is I will take the number of pages in my Bible and divide by how many days I want to read it, whether it's 30, 60, or 90. And then I read that many pages. And what that's done for me has given me a wider view and a broader um, depth to my reading of scripture. Because when you do get to some of those Pauline passages and you just pull them out you have lost the whole counsel of scripture. And so I, I believe that um, women do have uh, significant roles to play in the church. And because I have to look at not only Jesus, who totally dignifies women, he has the longest theological discussion with any human being that's recorded with the woman at the well, who is a Samaritan mm-hmm. and a woman. Um, but I also have to look at Paul because he's constantly talking about Priscilla and Aquila. He also most likely commissioned Phoebe to bring the book of Romans to Rome, which mm-hmm. she's one of the people I cover. And so you have to like ask some questions. Well, if she is supposed to take this book to Rome and the, the, job of a person who carries um, a letter in that period of time was to not only read it, most likely memorize it, but to memorize the inflection of the author of the letter. And so, in other words, she not only would share it if she indeed was the person, she would also have the emphasis of Paul because she would have spent time with him. That hmm. is a an incredible mantle. And um, so, I have to balance all of those scriptures together and say, you know what? I believe there is a role for women in the church and um, you know, I'm tentative about it. I, I don't run around saying I get to do this or I get to do that. Um, right. I, I live under authority. So I, I, I submit to that, but, um, but I do think that we have lost nuance and we've lost some theological voices by not listening to the voice of women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, and so um, I, I guess based on your previous answers, would you say that, um, I mean, really, the, the responsibility of the church um, for understanding the role of women in the church is to read scripture with within its context, is to read <laughs> the Bible, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of hard for me to... I I do, I I do personally believe everyone has roles. I I do believe that. Um, I think it's a little hard to nail down what those are in a lot of places. And so it's just really hard for me when I see these really rigid structured denominations that just put their foot down. And it's like, guys, there's a lot of gray area here, but what Christ makes known is there's no man, there's no woman, Mm -hmm. there's no slave, there's no free, you know, it's like, we're all Free. We're all just equal in Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess a, a big thing I would like to see in the church is interdenominational unity. And I think mm-hmm. what you're doing here mm-hmm. is a good way to bring that, um, to just kind of say, let's just bring it back to the Bible. Let's think about this logically and let's talk it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think you're doing a great, a, a great thing here. Um, last question for you mm-hmm. What, what do you want somebody to walk away from this book with?
2: Well, as I mentioned before, I want them to fall in love with this with the scriptures. And I want them to understand that they can learn how to read it in a plain uh non-prejudicial um, way. And so that's the first thing. Um second thing is I hope that they walk away from the book with tools. So that the next time they are misunderstood, they will learn the importance of not um, taking on the the mantle of reputation management. Like I could spend my whole time on this earth trying to defend myself and that would take away from the very work that the Holy spirit has called me to do. It doesn't mean that I just pretend that bad things don't happen. Of course, that's why we have the lament Psalms throughout the Psalms. I need to grieve. I need to lament. And part of the problem with today's world is we don't lament. We shove down. We do need to grieve, but at the same time we need to move forward and to move forward is, is to, um, is to say, okay, misunderstanding exists. And if you need to speak the truth in love for a period of time, that happens, but then we need to move forward and uh, heal from it. And then I think, and have it inform us. So when I've been misunderstood, and and again, I think it's one of the worst injuries that a soul can receive. One of the things that I do is I try to take it as a cautionary tale. I try to remember the pain that it is and say, oh my goodness, (laughs) This hurts so much. So I'm going to go back to the golden rule and I'm going to try to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. I think this hurts. So I don't want to jump to conclusions with other people. I'm sure I will because I'm a sinner, sinner saved by grace, but it it's better if you use it as a cautionary tale than just to be buried
0: underneath it. I love that. That's great. That's all great. I mean, that's uh, it's uh, very biblical once again,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> but, um, awesome. Uh, and when is your book coming out for anybody listening?
2: Yes. Yeah, so it's changed because of the supply chain issues. It was oh, the end man, of March.
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> it was the end that's of March. Now, comment. now it's April 14th, but you know what? I've just, I've, I'm just counting it all joy. And I know actually it gives me more time to get ready for the launch.
0: So it's all good. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So April 14th and uh, where should, where should they look uh, out for that? Is there a better way to buy it? Um, Um, Maybe like directly from you rather than from a supplier or.
2: No, it's probably better just to do wherever they buy their books. Um, It should be widely everywhere in Barnes and Noble and in any online
0: retailer as
2: well. Awesome. Any Christian bookstore would have it as well.
0: Awesome. And one more time, the title for everyone.
2: Yeah, it's called The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. And I do take you through 10 of them. So that's what you're going to cover in the book.
0: Yep. It's great stuff. I'm uh, currently about halfway through. Uh, Randy, I think, picked up the slack and he started at the other end and worked backwards (laughs) for me. (laughs) Nice. And uh, so we've got some stuff to talk about in there uh, outside of this interview itself. But uh, thank you so much, Mary, for uh, talking with us and just walking us through what's been on your heart while reading or uh, writing this book. So that's been awesome. I do have a couple questions for you off air, yeah. but uh, we're going to go ahead and call it here. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we're going
1: to jump back to me and Randy.
0: all right, man. So that was Mary Demuth. And, I uh,
1: love that interview. She seems so genuine.
0: Yeah, she was really cool. Um, and you know what? Like, I, I liked that. Um, I, I don't know. Since since this was like my first time getting to really get an interview, anybody kind of outside our immediate sphere of influence. Yeah. Um, there there's just always risk for like the whole like putting on a fake face because you don't know the person. Right. And there was none of that. Yeah. She was super real, very very just a genuine person. I loved that. Um and honestly super super helpful with her answers. Um she she wasn't afraid to to take it the places I think it needed to go. And that was awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: What uh what did you gather from the interview?
1: Man, there were there were a lot of things that just kind of stood out. So she sent us a pre-pub version of her book, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I kind of read through different portions of that. Really fascinating. Um, I love what she's doing in the book, where she kind of reimagines the biblical setting mm-hmm. and tells that story from the point of view of a fiction writer, but very based in the biblical text, then she dives into the text and then she talks about what it means um, I just love that i 'm a i 'm a big fan of historical fiction mm-hmm. uh, she 's not the only one to to do that, and it 's not just a christian thing uh, there's There are people uh, who have written uh, books about history supplying plot lines and conversations i think she's a lot carefuler to stick to the biblical text she said yeah. and it shows in her book that if there's dialogue it comes straight out of the bible
0: yeah i noticed that there's a lot of quotation there's yeah. a lot of uh there there was also a lot of uh use of the hebrew that she would yes. bring it back to the hebrew or you know, the, if it was New Testament, uh, I I don't know that I ran across any New Testament in the
1: few that I read through, but... Um, you know, Phoebe is in there. That's the last one, and I did not make it to Phoebe. Okay. But uh, that would be a New Testament one. I suspect she did much the same thing. Oh, no. I did read uh, Mary Magdalene. Okay. And uh, didn't get into a whole lot of Greek there, but okay. uh, there wasn't any need to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she was just kind
0: of using trigger words, um, important words that she would read the actual Hebrew in. Um, but yeah, it w- it was just kind of getting to look at the story through the eyes of these women, and um, just like Mary said, we've well, I don't know that she necessarily said it in the interview. She she. Kind of alludes to it in the book, but we we kind of come to conclusions about a lot of these women we yeah. We do misunderstand them. she did say yeah. that um and the reason being is our traditions have a lot of ideas attached to who these women were, yes. that are not always biblical, and Mary kept bringing it back to. Well, I just read the Bible for what it said.
1: <laughs> and that was one of the things that stood out to me. She had a phrase there, a plain reading of the Bible. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. It's it's seeing what the Bible says and taking it at face value. Yeah. There's no need to try to interpret or stretch it or make it say something that it doesn't really say. A plain reading of the Bible. Yeah. Um, she also said... Um, she was
0: trying to do like rapid readings of scripture
1: i caught that
0: too where she would just and and i didn't even catch this in the initial uh when when i spoke to her originally but going back and just you know re-listening to to what she said um she said she would she would take chunks like 30 60 90 pages yeah and read it yeah i'm like oh my gosh like if you read 90 pages a day of scripture, you could read the entire Bible in like in a month, in like two weeks if you did yeah, like nine. <laughs> well, no, because it's twelve hundred pages, twelve hundred and some pages. I mean, at ninety pages a day. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just over two weeks. I mean, that's crazy. That is so crazy. I kind of want to do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I've I've done it, not 90 pages, but I've read like books. Yeah. If I'm getting ready to study a particular book, like Mark, Mark's mm-hmm. an easy one. 16 chapters, takes about an hour and 45 minutes to read it. So when I was getting ready to study Mark, I just read Mark every day for like two weeks. And it's amazing what you see hmm. when when you're back on the fifth or sixth reading Things start popping out at you, repetitions that Mark has start, start showing themselves to you. So that's a great technique.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's that's a really good way to just kind of step into their shoes and, and try yeah. and get a feel for the person you're reading about. Um, she also kept saying um, – well, when, when asked, like, what what do you want people to walk away from this with, she said – I want people to fall in love with Scripture. <laughs> That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's what we all need to be striving yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think it's really cool too. Um, actually, I, by the time you're hearing this, I'll have talked to Mary a week ago. Yeah. The the, the time's weird here, but I was just talking to Luke, um, one of the guys here at, at church, and uh, and he said, "Hey, man, I liked your sermon." Uh, Yes, on Sunday. And I said, yeah. I said, it's kind of weird. I said, because like it's that passage. I said, I wouldn't have ever – like if I were just reading through Scripture, I probably would have just like glazed over that and be like, oh, cool. That's why John wrote 1 John. But like when you have that passage and you're like, I'm teaching on this this week. Yeah. It forces you to go – why is he saying this and why is this important? And then I have to sit there and, and, and wrestle with it and go, how does this fit into the bigger story? Well, I feel like that's what Mary's doing with these women in, in the Bible. She's stopping on it and going, no, what – there's more to this yeah, story. Yeah, let's
1: dig a little bit deeper.
0: Yeah, I, I want to really see this for what it is, not just like, oh, well, my tradition says this or this tradition says this. I want to know what, this, what the right, Bible says
1: about right, this. Right, right. Yeah. I love that uh, she focused on them being misunderstood. Yeah. Because that's something, although we talk about it, I don't, okay, I can't speak for anybody else but me. So uh, before I read this book, before I listened to the interview, um, someone being misunderstood, typically I'd go, oh, gee, I'm sorry. Let me say that a different way then and be done with it. She talked about the the pain of being misunderstood and being habitually misunderstood. She likens it to being
0: one of the most awful things that can happen to a person. And yeah. I think she's right.
1: I do too now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think whether we know it or not, we spend so much of our lives trying to be known. Yeah. Trying to be really known by people and being liked. And so we can spend... So much of our time. I mean, I I don't think anybody's going to pretend that they don't try to be cool, don't try to be likable, don't try right. to be yeah. the kind of person that people enjoy. Um, but when you're not that, when you're not that, or or when people have the wrong idea about you, I mean, your very identity
1: is being stripped from you. Yeah, and being turned into something else. She had a phrase that she used, reputation management. Did you pick that up? I didn't. Yeah, yeah. She talked about how instead of striving to be understood when we're misunderstood, we can resort to reputation management. Okay, let me try to fix how you perceive me. Instead of, here's who I really am. Yeah. Uh, Take it or leave it, kind of. Uh, we resort to trying to manage our reputation to be liked by a larger number of people. You go to social media, isn't that what it's about? The number of likes that you get? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's about making sure people are engaging and and enjoying what you're putting out there.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not about being understood. It's about... Perception. Yeah. It's about the perception yeah, uh, that people have of you. Yeah, whether that's understandable, whether that's accurate, or whether that's a a facade. Hmm. Reputation management. That phrase stuck out to me.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I, I can't believe I didn't notice that. Um, I did kind of pick up on that theme, but I didn't pick up on that that. Term. She said it and moved on to something else, but yeah. I, I really liked this quote from the book that I think kind of sums that up a little bit um, and then I think actually centers on maybe the core theme of the book, really. Um, she said, Your misunderstoodness, though it feels very real, does not define your worth. The misunderstood one does, being <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That Jesus was more misunderstood than anybody he's the God of the universe, and everybody's like, "Oh who's this
1: and guy they crucified yeah, him yeah they
0: killed him yeah yeah they, they they you know chalked him up to just be some lunatic and, yeah. and killed him um, he understands even that that's amazing that's beautiful yeah that is
1: absolutely beautiful
0: um, she talks about lament. And moving forward. I
1: caught that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I liked that. Um, just the idea of it's okay to be sad. And yeah. we honestly should probably spend more time being sad. Like we should probably spend more time to like actually take time to, to grieve healthily. But then we can't stay there. We have to move on and then we have
1: to, we have to get better and grow. Maybe we should do a podcast on the theology of lament. I'd be totally what, down for what that. What it means to truly grieve, get it out, and then move on. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Um, she talked to you about uh, social media. How uh, she mentioned that social media kills empathy. I thought that was a, that was really perceptive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got a whole podcast on that. I'm not yeah. going to disagree with her there. Yep. Yeah, I I hate social media. I hate it. It's so bad. But I just made a LinkedIn, so <laughs> yeah. apparently, apparently I'm not immune to, to its temptation. But um, she talked about using pain to grow. Yeah. Which I think you can tie to the whole lament and moving forward. I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Th- that we, we should use that pain and go, hey, I don't like how that made me feel. One, I don't want to feel that way again. Right. So I'm going to avoid situations like – I mean wh- – her, the book wasn't really talking about that, but I think you could use this that way. Yeah, absolutely. It, you could – I think the questions at the end of each chapter kind of lead you in that direction. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I don't want to be in positions like this, so I'm going to avoid being in positions like right. this. But also, I'm not going to put people in positions exactly. like this.
1: I'm not going to do this to you. Exactly. I know how much it hurt me. And I
0: think that was Mary's main point. I'm kind of adding the whole like yeah. – I guess not just with being misunderstood. I'm saying right. just growing from pain in general. We should not try to be in pain.
1: <laughs> like it doesn't and, make sense. And the 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 flip side of that is I think most of us would approach the whole issue of pain in our life with a we can grow in spite of our pain. She's saying, oh no. We grow because of our pain. We've got to use the pain to yeah. help us
0: grow. Well, I think she's really recognizing, and I, we, we didn't really get into this, but I mean like pain is a gift from God because it helps us grow. It's 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 like the bumpers on yeah. the side of the road to push us back true. to the middle,
1: I know that's true, yeah. up here <laughs>
0: right, right, when you're in the middle you don't of it,
1: feel it right here,
0: no, yeah, I'm with you, but it's kind of like grief or um sadness or yeah. shame or guilt, like all those things really feel bad, we don't like them. But they are a gift from God because they push us back to a place where we're not in those things. They push us away from the bad and into the good. But we can learn to appreciate them and learn to use those
1: things as tools that God has given us. Very true. Very true. Well, Mary's publicist reached out to us for that interview. We have a couple of... uh, Kind of similar situations uh, coming up. Going to be interviewing some other people. It's uh, it's interesting. This first interview has really kind of uh, piqued my interest. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to talk to some other people outside of our own sphere of influence. Yeah. Uh, kind of expand what we're doing here and uh, learn a little bit from other people. Yeah. We're, we're not
0: exactly sure what we've done recently, but – our our emails have blown up a whole lot more than they have in the
1: past, yeah,
0: yeah. and so we're on a list somewhere or something. I don't know. That's good. That means we're growing. Um, but yeah, it is opening yeah. up some cool opportunities. Some yeah. really great people with really great stories to tell.
1: Yeah. And so I'm I'm excited to uh, to get to know them. So. And we're also being selective. Uh, we've we turned are. some people down <laughs> we, we, because it doesn't fit the nature of the it podcast. It didn't fit, and it was a little yeah. bit sketchy. <laughs>
0: But that's okay. Too. That's okay. <laughs> hey everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Mary's testimony and hearing about her book. Her new book, um, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, is gonna be out April fourteenth, now that uh it got pushed back a little bit. And that is a bummer. But like she said, you know, it's you know, God'll use that. That's cool. Yeah. Um you can find it anywhere. Find it at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all that good stuff. Wherever books are sold, she said. So, uh, we hope you'll be looking out for that. We're going to be finishing that read up ourselves and, uh, we hope that you'll join us in that. Uh, just go show her your support. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've got questions, send those to salty saints at becomehope.com or questions at becomehope.com. And until next time, stay salty.